There is oh, something really fascinating about the wilderness. Um, I think I've, you've heard me use this quote before, but I'm going to use it one more time. It's been a couple of years at this point. Uh, I will adapt it a bit, um, but the, the great writer um, and eccentric Hunter S. Thompson um, wrote a quote about the waterline that is equally applicable to the wilderness. And it would go something like this. He would say, um, civilization ends at the edge of the wilderness. At that point, we all enter the food chain and not always at the top. We all enter the food chain, but not always at the top. When we are in civilization, in our homes, and in the that's really close. When we're in the homes and in the suburbs and and places where we're comfortable at work, um, we think we are in control, don't we? And maybe we are. Likely we are not. But there is some degree of control and comfort, uh, comfortability with with our familiar surroundings. And when we get into the wilderness, it's just not the same. There's bears in the wilderness. They're not in, in, in pens or in zoos. They're actually out there and they want to eat your sandwich. One is easily lost in the wilderness. Shelter is not readily available. It can be dark. The noises abound. And frankly, the wilderness can be a little frightening. But it's interesting, because the wilderness is also a place of great hope, is it not? Every hike begins with the possibility of seeing something that you've never seen before, an amazing vista, some incredible wildlife. Every hunt begins with the hope of a big buck or your limit of ducks, does it not? The wilderness, as much as it's a place of vulnerability, is also a place of hope. And we see this in Scripture. I mean, throughout Scripture, the wilderness is this sort of paradox of, of, of um, vulnerability and promise. So for the people of God, for Israel, consider just one of their wilderness experiences. They're delivered from Egypt, delivered from slavery, dramatically sent through the Red Sea. And in the wilderness of the Sinai Peninsula, they meet God. And he comes down on the mountain. And he looks at his gathered people, his imperfect people, and he says, you, you will be my people, and I will be your God. What promise, what hope there in the wilderness. But in that same wilderness, this people turn from God. And they're left vulnerable and exposed, and they're wandering for 40 years. They have no water, they have no food, they're completely and utterly at the mercy of God. Terrifying, isn't it, if you don't trust Him? And yet He provides manna, He provides water, He provides quail. And so you have this wilderness, a place of vulnerability and a place of hope. And then we have Mark's gospel this morning. You know, Mark's not messing around. 
You know, there's no birth narratives, there's no genealogies, there's no reflection on, um, you know, the theology of the pre-incarnate Word of God. It's just the wilderness. You're just there. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And then John appeared, just like that. Now we know he's Jesus' cousin. We know he was in, um, in the womb when Mary, pregnant with Jesus, came to visit his mother, and he jumped for joy that the Messiah was, was, was becoming incarnate. We know all these things about John, but Mark doesn't care about that. I mean, he does, but that's not what he's trying to tell us. This is sudden, and it's dramatic, and all of a sudden, we are out in the wilderness. And so are throngs of Israelites. The people of God, they are there too. They're coming to John, and they're hearing his message. Get ready, be prepared, the Lord is coming. And these people, they're soaking it up. It's been 400 years. 400 years that the people of God have not heard from God. 400 years since Malachi, the last prophet. 400 years waiting for God to come and restore them once and for all. We have a people, the people of God, with no king. The people of God... With no land, the people of God ruled and oppressed for 400 years. The empires have come and gone, risen and fallen, and all the time the people of God are there waiting. Babylonians, Persians, Greeks, and now Romans. When will God speak? When will he come? And then John appeared. In the wilderness. He's the voice prophesied by Isaiah, crying out. He's the messenger prophesied by Malachi, preparing the way of the Lord. And he's doing it in the wilderness. A place of vulnerability and hope. And so they come in droves. Verse 5, all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. The people in in Jerusalem and normal lives and the people out in the countryside living normal lives hear the word of John and they leave what is known and they leave what is comfortable and they leave what they've known for their whole lives and they go out into the wilderness so that they can be prepared. And how? How are they prepared? Well, they're baptized and they repent of their sins. Now, this is an amazing thing. This baptism, this was typically reserved in those days for Gentiles. This is not something a normal, good Israelite would do. They don't need to be baptized. They were born into the family, right? They were born into the faith. But those Gentiles, they needed to be baptized. They needed to be brought into the Israel faith, the faith of Israel. They needed to be brought into the Jewish people, and so they were washed clean. But here in this passage in Mark, we have Israelites getting baptized. And they're realizing that if they're going to prepare for God, their ethnicity, their heritage is not enough. 
It doesn't matter if they've been to synagogue every Saturday for their whole lives. They need to repent. They need to be washed clean. They need to be prepared for the coming of God. And so great numbers of them come out, and they are baptized, and they are washed, and they repent. And John says, I've baptized you with water. But one who is mightier than I, one whose sandals I am not worthy to untie, one who is far greater and far more infinite and far more powerful is coming. And he, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And so these people were made ready. Friends, the season of Advent is about being made ready. About examining our hearts, perhaps even opening them up a little and letting God take a peek inside there as if he wasn't doing that already. And preparing them for the coming of Jesus Christ. And in one sense, we're preparing them for something that has happened in the past. And we remember his birth in humility, a tiny baby laid in swaddling clothes in a manger in Bethlehem. But we're preparing them for something coming, something future, something powerful. Jesus returning, this time in power and in glory, the second coming of Jesus Christ, where history will culminate And we are called to be ready. And so Advent demands an answer to this question. Well, you can ignore it, but if you're not ignoring it, then you have to answer it. Are you ready? John the Baptist demands the answer to this question. He was preparing Israel for the first coming, but his question still applies to us today. Are you ready? Are you ready? For the return of Christ. And if that answer is no, I'm not ready. Then we've got some work to do. Now, I want to simply suggest to you this morning that when the Lord poses that question to us, when Scripture poses that question to us, when, when we are looked in the eye and said, are you ready? The answer is no. It's no. We're not ready. I know I'm not ready. I look at my heart. I see things in my heart that y'all don't see. Or maybe you do, but I don't think you do. And they're just under the surface there. It doesn't take long. It doesn't make you go far to see them. And then there's the things that are needled down in there deep that I can only begin um, to dig out. And if I start, I don't know what I'm going to find. And I think, I'm not ready. And I look at this world, the violence, injustice, hunger, fear, and I think, we're not ready, church. We're not ready. And then I hear the message of John the Baptist, and he's crying out in the wilderness, and he's saying, prepare ye the way of the Lord. And I think, there's so much to do. We're not ready. 
want us to listen carefully to the words of Scripture this morning. To Mark in his gospel, to John the Baptist in his preaching. They're not telling us to make everything perfect. Now, when we, you know, in the West, and especially this time of year, when, when someone says, get ready, you think, i got to clean my house. I've got guests coming for Christmas. The toilets are filthy. The floors are dirty. The baseboards haven't been washed in years. i got to get the house ready. It's got to be perfect. That's not, that's not what God is telling us to do with our hearts. He's not telling us to make them perfect, to clean everything up. By all means, if you want to strive for that, please, that's a great goal, but you're never, you're never going to get there, not in this life. Preparation does not mean perfection. Preparation does not mean perfection. Perfection. And so to prepare, John calls the Israelites and he's calling us into the wilderness. He's not telling us to get perfect. If he was telling Israel, if he said, okay, guys, God is coming, get ready, be perfect. They would have stayed in their homes. They would have read the first five books of their scriptures. They would have memorized every single law in it and they would have carried it out to a T. And some of them were doing that. And they said, then I'll be perfect. Then the Lord will come. And when he does, he will find me righteous. That's not what John is doing, is it? John is saying, get ready so you come to me. You come into the wilderness. You come to a place where you're not in control, where you're vulnerable. And yet a place where our fathers and forefathers experienced so much hope and so much grace. Come to the wilderness. Can you relate to Israel? Can you relate to these people coming out to see John? You ever look at your life and think, what happened? What happened? I was on the right track at one point. You ever cry out to God and say, where are you? I've not heard from you in so long. Do you ever look out at this world and think, what on earth is going on? Where's God? Friends, John is giving us an invitation. He's not asking us to be perfect. He's asking us to be vulnerable He's not asking us to fix our sin. He's asking us to confess it. He's not asking us to earn our way to God. He's asking us to be forgiven. He says, won't you come? Won't you come into the wilderness? Won't you let aside your control and be vulnerable? Won't you let aside your fear and have hope? It's the invitation. Will you come into the wilderness? Will you come into the wilderness and serve the poor and the needy in our community? And love them and talk to them and build relationship with them. To weep with them and mourn with them. And to offer hope. Will you go into the wilderness? Will you journey there with our African-American brothers and sisters? 
Will you have a conversation about race and about hurt and pain? Will you go into the wilderness and do that? Or how about your own heart? Will you go into the wilderness and look on your heart and look deeply and see what's there? But don't do it just with yourself. Will you do it with a brother or sister in Christ? Somebody that you confess to. Somebody that can remind you that you're forgiven. Will you go into that wilderness? It's my prayer that you will. That this Advent season, that you will journey into the wilderness with John. John never says it's easy, and he never says it's fun. But in the wilderness, you will meet God. You'll be vulnerable, and you'll have hope. And you will know the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, we receive um, the invitation of your messenger that we would journey into the wilderness to receive your grace and your mercy, your forgiveness, your hope. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to do this with our brothers and sisters in Christ as we strive, Lord, as we strive by your Holy Spirit to make your kingdom known here on this earth. We ask these things through your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please stand.